just Andrew and I for this episode. Kirk and Erica can't make it, um, but they will be back next week. Uh, you know, if all goes well, um, Kirk, you know, apparently is dealing with some legal issues and Erica probably caused the legal issues. So, you know, they'll be back next week at some point. The last time this happened where it was just the two of us, we talked about QAnon for maybe an hour and a half. <laughs> Which was actually one of the best hour and a half of my life. That was actually unreal. I feel like, did we like go down the list of crazy conspiracy theories and pick our craziest? Is that what it was? I think so. Well, it was kind of an explainer on on QAnon. Maybe we should do that. We should do another conspiracy episode. Yeah, I kind of like that. Hey, listeners, TM, sound off if you want to, uh, if you want a conspiracy theories episode. I feel like there are so many good ones that whether we went into a deep dive of a QAnon one or just like something else, like something with like JFK and, you know, like who actually killed him or Martin Luther King, you know, like uh, all of those things that have uh, like, or, okay, another good one, the moon landing. Like, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The way to combat that one is to say you still believe in the moon. Oh, my God. Wait. (laughs) How crazy the crazies. There are people who don't believe in the moon. Some flat earthers think that everything above us is like a projection screen. Like space isn't real. Everything we see above us is just all fake. Wait, really? Okay, I like yeah. I understand that they believe that the earth is flat. Well, this is what's so funny about <laughs> a lot of these conspiracy theories is there's different there's different like sub cults within the main conspiracy theory for all of them and none of them really fully agree with each other so there are people who think that like there is space and there are planets out there but the earth is flat which makes you wonder like how can they look at like pictures of a planet or look through a telescope and see the moon or a planet and then clearly see that that's round and then think that earth is not round but they do and but then there's the people who think that there's like this big dome that they call the firmament above the flat earth oh. and, and either it's it's like a projection screen or like somehow what we see up in the sky is is not real and it's like projected above us that feels very truman show almost yes yeah yeah it is very much like that and i think they sometimes think that that was that show was somehow like subtle signaling to the masses. Oh God. Okay. That's, I think that that would be a really fun episode for us to talk about. Um, and I think Erica has to be a part of that one because I think she would love it. I, I think it would be incredible. So, Hey, uh, Andrew and I are going to carry on here with the episode in a second, but, um, if you would like to hear more conspiracy theories, Andrew spends a ton of his time on conspiracy theory, Reddit, not as a believer, <laughs> but as an observer. And I think that he could really lead us through a really interesting discussion. I do love them. They're so wild. Well, let's carry on. Tonight, we are unpacking recent headlines with our experienced panel of podcasters. No, wait. It's actually Andrew, just you and I tonight. He's your favorite hobbit whose meat is definitely back on the menu. He's sound <laughs> editor extraordinary Andrew Nicky. <laughs> okay, that's that's my favorite so far. I, I like when I wrote that, I kind of shocked myself. And you know what? It doesn't matter if no one else gets that reference. No, I, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me tonight, Andrew. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, 
unpack some headlines. Uh, Andrew, you are up first with your headline. Um, this one I did not hear about, so I'm very excited uh, to learn about it and talk about it with you. So why don't you go ahead with your headline? Yeah, my headline is a little different for me. It doesn't require a lot of explanation and is actually kind of a good thing. Um, and I, I think the reason why it wasn't widely reported is it's mostly just in like um, tech media. So this headline is from Ars Technica. Rebuffing cable lobby FCC bans deals that block competition in apartments. I think all of us have had to deal with shitty internet companies at one point or multiple points in our lives. Um, and we've talked about shitty cable companies on this podcast before. So the FCC took a look at the rules they have around what ISPs, internet service providers, have been doing in, in multi-tenant apartment buildings. Um, and although the FCC has long banned internet service providers from entering into sweetheart deals with landlords that guarantee they're the only provider in a building, it appears in practice that this isn't the case because according to the FCC chairwoman, Jessica Rosenworcel, the broadband industry has sidestepped rules that already exist with, quote, a complex web of agreements between incumbent service providers and landlords that keep out competitors and undermine choice. The new rules will ban exclusive revenue sharing agreements between one internet provider and a building's owner, as well as banning graduated revenue sharing agreements where revenue is shared with the building owner more revenue is shared with the building owner, the more tenants sign up for the service. Exclusive marketing agreements are still going to be allowed. So an ISP will be able to be the the sole ISP that sends those stupid fucking cards you get every other week in the mail to tenants in a building. But they have to clearly and conspicuously um, let tenants know in that marketing literature that that exclusive marketing deal is in place and that they may be uh, other providers may be available to them regardless of the fact that they're only getting marketing from one single provider. Um, and the new rules will also be retroactive. So deals that are already in place are going to be null and void basically and unenforceable and any new deals going forward can't be made. And amazingly, this passed with a 4-0 bipartisan vote. So normally the FCC has five uh, commissioners, four commissioners and, and one chairperson. And right now there's one spot that is vacant and it's it's two to two Republican to Democrat. So uh, other than this, not a lot has been getting done at the FCC. Yeah, I was going to say that is so interesting because I feel, number one, that like I have not heard good things about the FCC from like the entire net neutrality thing a couple of years ago. And I know that still continues to pop up here and there. Um, but I hadn't heard much beyond, you know, all the people just saying, fuck Agit Pai, who like what came from Comcast and then was yep. like heading up the FCC, which is like just totally ridiculous. I'm really excited about this. This is like great news. And like, number one, the fact that like, you know, it was a bipartisan vote, pretty cool, you know, but also too, it's like, I don't know, this is what happens, you know, when you put a Democrat in power and, you know, like there's uh, people are actually fighting for the people uh, in, in some ways. You know, obviously, Democrats have their fair share of flaws, but like, oh, no, that's a pretty good win. Right. 
Oh. Yeah. And to me, internet service providers are are really like the perfect microcosm of the system of just unchecked late stage capitalism that we have. All the solutions that are supposed to be cornerstones of capitalism, you're supposed to have all the choice that you want and, mm-hmm. and freedom to choose and freedom to get the services you want. And of course, if if you say, well, I don't like how Comcast treats me or how much Comcast charge, then, you know, get another provider, bro. Well, for a lot of people, they can't. Until only a few years ago, my parents who live, you know, they don't live out in the middle of nowhere, but they're not in like a development or something. They're, they're not in a town. Um, they didn't have anything other than shitty DSL, no uh, cable internet to only a few years ago. And what's crazy is the development just across the street had it. But of course, Comcast and Verizon didn't want to pull the cables across the street because there weren't enough houses over there for them to make a profit. Well, eventually enough houses got built and they finally fucking did it. But, you know, and people out in rural areas, we've talked about it before. They're Mm -hmm. left out in the cold. They don't have good internet or internet at all. And it's a necessity now for uh, modern life. So to me, it tears down all those arguments like, oh, just just make another choice or, you know, why don't you just move? Well, for people who are <laughs> moving is expensive. How, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you have a whole family or, you know, you're working two to three jobs, when are you going to have time to move and you're housing insecure, you're working paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, one more thing on top of all the other things you have to worry about is, in your building, the internet costs more than the next building over, and you're really going to move over to another building just to get better internet. Mm-hmm. It's insane, and and it just highlights like yet again, it's more proof that the freedom and choice and innovation that are supposedly hallmarks of capitalism only exist for a select few people. Mm-hmm. Everyone else just has to fucking put up with the shit. And what about the free market? Like, where's the competition when ISPs can make deals with themselves saying, oh, I'm going to only service this area and you only service that area so we both can make more money? Or they make a deal with the landlord and share some of the revenue with the landlord and say, don't let any other ISPs in here. Right. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, that's that's not you know if you really believe in a free market and competition and and those things are going to solve all of our the ills of capitalism it's clearly not happening no on something that is you know obviously next to shelter food clothing you know like all of these things that like internet internet is pretty high up there on the list of things that are required to be a person now you know yeah um exacerbated by COVID, of course but like it, it is crazy I, I don't know here we have at&t and the service is like kind of shit and I, like there's one other provider that's one of those startup providers that is constantly unreliable of course they're more affordable but like this is slow but at least it's reliable and i'm like they don't have anybody else you know to come in here there's nobody else that that will make the financial investment and so i think like things like this are are good things i would obviously love to see more you know like as we've kind of talked about um as part of the infrastructure uh bill that was passed um it's bringing the um, you know broadband internet speeds to every home in america which is awesome you know or you know in theory every home in america over the next 10 years or so and like that's such a good thing but we still have much further to go but even just this is like 
a, potentially a good thing for people who live in those giant complexes. I lived in one of those, you know, like uh, I think Erica lived in one of those. Like Kirk has definitely lived in one of those, you know, so I think it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as the other problems of capitalism continue to get worse and worse and worse, more and more people are going to have to live in places like that and they shouldn't have their their choice and their ability to be good consumers taken away from them just because they have to live in a building like that. Mm-hmm. And I hope that these kinds of things, and it's a shame that this isn't getting a, a lot of coverage and it is to a, a lot of people probably kind of boring, like, oh, just some FCC vote on some internet. Rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like who, who cares? But I think it's, it's, it's cool because it does show that something is happening. Sometimes the government does do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, the, the internet service providers I think are just cartoonishly bad because no one was watching them and they could get away with it. Um, but other industries are like this too. Just they're a lot, better at being sneaky about it. Mm-hmm. So I hope that other industries have the same sort of thing happen to them. Agreed. Yeah. Almost like, you know, maybe something in the pharmaceutical industry. But <laughs> <laughs> but my headline this week um is is honestly a bit more of a reflection than anything. Mask mandates sort of just being dropped all over the place across cities all throughout the United States. So I was like just sort of looking for some resources to see if there was kind of a, you know, a, a overall summary of, of who still has mask mandates. And there's nothing super reliable, but I did find something on the AARP. Andrew, I know one of your most frequently visited sites. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh. right now, five states, Hawaii, Illinois, New Mexico, Oregon, and Washington require most people to wear masks in indoor public spaces, whether or not they have been vaccinated against COVID-19. Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico have similar orders in place. Connecticut and California have indoor mask mandates that primarily cover the unvaccinated. Washington is the only state with an outdoor mask order requiring a face covering at outside events attended by 500 people or more. But most states, you know, started um, eliminating or easing mask orders back in May and in June of last year, um, even though the Delta variant was very high. And I think, you know, after the Omicron variant, people are sort of, again, like getting over it. It's sort of this like, I'm done with COVID for the next little while. And all these states are sort of, you know, dropping their mask mandates. So to date, 32 states that had orders broadly requiring residents to wear masks in public have lifted them. 11 states have not imposed mandates at any point during the pandemic. And some, including Florida, Iowa, Montana, Tennessee, and Texas have moved via legislation or executive action to prevent local governments and school districts from even doing so if they wanted to. So they're kind of blocking it. Um, And I think, you know, recently we were just sort of having a conversation about, you know, Pennsylvania and what Pennsylvania is saying right now. We removed ours on June 28th. Face covering is required in healthcare facilities, group residential settings, long-term care facilities, prisons, homeless shelters, public transit, all such as stuff that's directed by uh, the CDC. Um, And then Philly had, you know, the indoor vaccination requirement for a bit, and then they dropped that recently. And like, I don't know, I kind of just wanted to take this as a headline because it is so bizarre, you know, um, that all of a sudden these things are dropping. And, And I guess the reality is, 
like if the cloth masks aren't working anyway, what's the point of everybody really wearing them? Or if you can have a drink in your hand and you don't have to wear one, then what's the point? Like, you know, when I'm out at the bars here in Columbus, this place does have a mask mandate, but you don't actually need to wear one. And nobody is at the point of enforcing it anymore, except for a few restaurants. And it's when you're interacting with somebody directly, like ordering from a cashier. And it flies in the face of science (laughs) again. And it's adopting the science, right? Is that people need KN95s in order for it to be um, actually preventive. So have we been wearing these cloth masks for no reason? I don't think so, but like it would appear they're relatively ineffective. Um, But, you know, now it's, they're basically saying if you're vaccinated, you're good. If you're vaccinated and scared, you know, wear the KN95, you'll be protected, you know, almost entirely. And it just, it feels like such a, pendulum swing of like everybody freaking out about Omicron, everybody getting it. And now like all of these requirements being list like lifted. And so I don't know, I kind of wanted to gauge like just how you felt about it, even Andrew, but also like it, it doesn't feel as messy as obviously like Trump managing the pandemic, but it just does feel like the consistency and messaging and the consistency and expectations um, and the lack of the federal government's ability to impose mask mandates and the ability for state governments just to reject guidance from the CDC entirely, it just seems so insane. Like everybody is doing different things. And and that is what is reminiscent of the early days of the pandemic of when there was so much confusion, you know, kind of in my mind, it's like, are, are we just sort of saying, well, the political pendulum is swinging back to people being frustrated by the pandemic. So we're just going to give some people what they want. That's kind of how I feel is like, it's not necessarily based in science, it's not necessarily based in what you know the the at least the epidemiologists that I follow on Instagram are saying, right? But it it, it is just I don't know. Like I, obviously, no country has done an amazing job of managing this, but I feel like we're particularly bad and embarrassing, you know, at, at where this is going. So, you know, I know you had some thoughts on the the Philly vaccine requirement and all that stuff, and but I'm curious, just kind of you know your thoughts on this entire mask mandate situation. Yeah, it's it's hard to really know exactly how to feel about it because on one hand, we spent two years doing this and it, it feels like a lot of what we did didn't help as much as we had hoped. And I think a lot of that is because of inconsistent rules and people not following the rules other countries have been able to open them back up sooner. Other countries had higher rates of vaccination, but they're also smaller countries and countries that already had more of a sense of community above individualism than America does. And I also understand that like this was going to happen at some point. The pandemic isn't going to last forever. It's eventually either going to go away or more likely become endemic. And just like another flu we get yearly. But I wasn't expecting it this soon. That's for sure. And I think if it had been a little bit different, like the CDC or the federal government saying, okay, now we have this data that says we don't necessarily need to wear masks anymore because so many people have already gotten it or so many people have been vaccinated. That would make more sense to me. I think it's really kind of a domino effect where – no one wants to be the last one out the door, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Once once some 
states or municipalities or cities started lifting them, then other cities are going to want to do that because we have seen and are seeing right now like some pretty serious protests about mandates of various sorts and the rules. And, you know, I, I'm sure that local governments and state governments are weighing that. Like, well, do we keep these rules or do we potentially face a protest situation? It's not just local protesting. We're seeing people traveling to Canada or trying to travel to Canada from the United States and from other places to join protesters in Canada. And I'm sure people are worried about that here too. You know, it's not just, you know, oh, if Philly um, keeps the mask mandate or keeps the vaccine mandates, then there'll be some local Philly protesting. They're probably concerned about people coming from all over the place, Delaware, New York, coming in from Florida even to join protests here and, and causing a huge problem. So they're probably weighing that. Um, I, I hope that we're at a point where things are slowing down enough that like, is it ideal that we stop now? Probably not. But at the same time, you're right. Like, I, I think the cloth masks were useful at, at the height of the pandemic when proper PPE wasn't available to people. And they there is evidence that they work when everybody's wearing them and you wash them and you handle them properly. And it was really more about like, even if it only helped you 5% or 10%, right. it's still 5 or 10% more protection than you had without it. Um, and again, it was all about people, all people wearing them. And, and I think we always knew that only masks like the N95s has the two-way protection. Going out now, I, I don't see many masks. But when I do see masks, it's people wearing the, the higher levels of masks versus a year ago when basically everybody had cloth masks on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I still see cloth masks, but I, I think I see more of the N95 masks. But that's probably because less people are wearing them, so they're more readily available. Yeah. Remember when people were putting coffee filters in their masks and changing those out? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've really come a really long way and to, to your point about you know like kind of perception changing and people sort of being over it and fear of protest like i did see like um in a recent like monmouth university poll this was reported in time um support for vaccine mandates fell from 53 percent to 42 percent um mask wearing dropped from 63 percent to 52 percent and 70 percent of people told the pollsters that they agreed with the statement that it is time we accept COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. I get the sentiment. I feel terrible for all the people who have children who aren't vaccinated. I feel terrible for all the people who have, you know, comorbidities, um, you know, all the people with disabilities, you know, that, that have not been able to even leave their house yet and get quote unquote back to normal. It, it is like such a wildly tough situation. And, and, I do, I do at least, you know, I'm grateful that, that people who want higher quality masks for the most part can get them now. Um, of course it's, you know, still, it still takes everybody, you know, to get through this, but it's like, everybody's tired. And you know what? A lot of people are saying, fuck the anti-maskers, fuck the anti-vaxxers. Like you, you guys want to take that risk, go ahead and take that risk, but you can't stop me from enjoying my life anymore. You know, we can't protect you anymore. Like we've, we've done our part and we've done it for long enough, which is sad, but I do get, you know, I've had those same feelings myself sometimes. 
Yeah. I don't know. This is interesting. Good conversation. You know, I'm sure we'll continue to hear more about it if there's only five states that actually require it. You know, things are going to open up, I think, pretty soon. Um, and certainly things will feel back to normal. Um, hopefully the just goal is that we don't get another more infectious variant from here or in any other part of the, the world. So because clearly it spreads once it's around, it spreads. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, when we come back, uh, we will pack it up. All right. And welcome back to our favorite and final segment of the episode. Pack it up. This is where we highlight a person or an organization or something in pop culture that needs to pipe down and pack it up. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go first. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. Um, my pack it up is fairly simple. It is to Josh Howley, the representative from Missouri, who many people came became familiar with um, after January 6th. Um, there was that photo of him fist pumping to protesters outside of the Capitol on January 6th. He recently released a coffee mug with that photo on it, and he is selling it on his campaign website for $20. So according to The Hill, the ceramic coffee mug emblazoned with the words, show me strong, uses the same photo of Halley outside the Capitol with his first raised fist to protesters on the day of the insurrection. Some thought the photo could come back to haunt Josh Howley, widely seen as a potential presidential candidate after a mob of Trump supporters invaded the Capitol on January 6th. But he is now using the image to tout his conservative bona fides to the GOP base, a clear signal. It seems the image is a big net positive. His campaign says the mug is the perfect way to enjoy coffee, tea or liberal tears. I am Ugh. obviously not going to Josh Howley's website and going to look at this mug because I do not need to give him the traffic. I would highly suggest that nobody listening to this podcast does either. If you want to actually just look at the photo of it on Google, that's fine. But do not click. Do not give that man any more money or attention than he needs. I have a side packet up on this same issue because conservatives are really having a moment with merchandise. This is from Business Insider. Tucker Carlson is selling shirts that support the Canadian truckers and play on his own name. A former Fox correspondent says it's just another way to profit off the protests. So he is selling a shirt that says, I love truckers. Um, with the R and the S inserted into his name. It is a $35 shirt. Again, I am not going to link to this, but nobody needs anything about Trucker Carlson on their <laughs> shirt at all. This is not something that I support. I think that conservatives have terrible branding to begin with, but this is honestly next level of Pack It Up because for you to have a photo of you raising a fist to... People who stormed the Capitol, an event in which four people died, including several police officers, and you're going to be supporting uh, Canadian truckers protesting a vaccine mandate who are actually causing additional supply issues and immigration issues and travel issues and general border traffic issues. Fuck you. Pack it up. It is so frustrating and so not surprising that this is something that they would latch on to. And I'm not saying, you know, that this is not the equivalent of, of, you know, Hillary 
being an idiot and releasing that hat that says butter emails. Like everybody is terrible with merchandise, but I genuinely feel that this is just like completely, what, what is the word disrespectful? They don't have any respect. Nobody respects them. Like, like the, the people who do respect them are absolutely going to buy this merch. So is it a smart business decision? Absolutely. But is it just like complete fuckery and completely disrespectful to the events of January 6th, just making a mockery out of the entire thing? Yes, it is also that. Pack it up, Josh. Pack it up, trucker. I just, I'm exhausted by these people. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. Do you remember that period in like the early to mid 2000s where t-shirts with witty sayings on it were all the rage? Like if you're too open-minded, your brain will fall out or something silly like (laughs) that. And like, like people wore these, it, that's what it reminds me of. It's like, you know, it's, it's not something that I could ever see myself. Like I would never wear like, uh, a shirt about Biden, like owning the right. That's fucking just silly. I really, really, really don't get it. Everybody loves a good meme, but spending fucking $35 on a shirt that really makes you feel like you owned the libs. Are you kidding me? Plus, isn't Tucker Carlson, like, fabulously wealthy from his frozen chicken fortune or whatever the fuck? Frozen I, TV dinners, that's what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, this man, he, he's making this whole thing. He doesn't need your $35. He doesn't need your $35. You know, is he launching a campaign website? Like, whatever. Like what? what is it? You know, why is why is this man selling merch to begin with? You know, it's like he's a complete piece of garbage. But again, yeah, what does this man need to make any money for? He has all this I Heart Tucker merch, you know, beverage coolers, camo, a golf ball and a tea set, uh, a pocket t-shirt that says sworn enemy of censorship. Like I, (laughs) I talked about it last week when I said pack it up to the state of Florida, but really pack it up to conservative merchandise, like just on the whole, on the whole. It's unhinged. It's out of pocket. Who or what are you packing up, Andrew? I want to pack up Mark Fuckerberg in his multiverse of who gives a fuck. In an all-hands meeting at Meta yesterday, Zuckerbot announced a bunch of dumbass corporate values. One that is Meta, MetaMates, me. Wait, I'm sorry. Please say that again. Meta, MetaMates, me. So... Suckbot5000 explained further in a Facebook post afterwards saying, Meta Metamates Me is about being good stewards of our company and mission. It's about the sense of responsibility we have for our collective success and to each other as teammates. It's about taking care of our company and each other. So they're claiming that it is derived from an old Navy adage, ship shipmates self, meaning you put the ship first you put your crewmates second before yourself, and then you come into the picture yourself. So that's like the hierarchy of what's important. That's, so basically, uh, that uh, sounds very Facebook to me. It, it sounds extremely Facebook. <laughs> sounds extremely corporate. Really, they're trying to say, yeah, put the company first, yeah. put your put everyone else, your your team second, and then your needs come last. That's how I interpret it. Now they're trying to say, oh, no, no, no. See, me is in there that you put yourself up there too. 
I just think it's derived from whatever alternate universe of chuckle fuckery the Zuck's consciousness is drawn from. Really, the whole metaverse bullshit needs to pack it the fuck up. That's what I really want to pack up, metaverse. And and people are calling it now Decentraland, Web 3.0. Like, just fuck off. Just Google metaverse and just, just the word metaverse. And there's article after article about companies making metaverse plays, as they're called now. Just from today, JP Morgan announced they are opening a virtual lounge in the metaverse and selling like plots of land in the metaverse, as well as like instead of going to a physical bank, you can now go into the metaverse to like a bank teller and like do your banking in the metaverse. And fashion brands like Ralph Lauren have announced they will be offering digital collections in the metaverse. Again, it's the same thing. You can go and buy digital ralph lauren instead of going to fucking nordstrom and buying some like it's all so deeply deeply stupid i don't understand it i really hope it doesn't take off there's just article after article where people are like well let me explain the metaverse like think about if somebody explains the internet to you in 1970 you would think it's stupid you wouldn't get it this is just the next iteration of it and like okay maybe that's That could be true, but I really hope it's not true because more and more and more we hear about how bad social media is for people, especially for children, especially for teenagers, how bad it is to just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll. And it like hijacks your brain. And we know these companies are aware of that. We know that they are designed like that. Facebook has you know there's like the facebook files that were released were all about the fact that they knew about like the teen suicide and depression like and they didn't do anything about it and how is this going to make it any better so now we're supposed to like literally live our lives within this virtual world like you don't even go outside anymore like you don't go to a bank to do banking it's like the stupidest shit like this like oh wow how exciting you can go fucking deposit a check in the metaverse like fucking i can do that on my phone from a phone app like why do i need the metaverse to do this shit it's so fucking stupid how brands can co-create in the metaverse you know what i want you know all i fucking want is a fucking flying car like honestly that's that yep i I just wanted flying cars or a jetpack a jetpack would be fucking awesome Fucking jetpack i realize that like teleportation is is right now it appears to be physically and uh, atomically impossible. Um, And like, while I would much rather have that when I'm like trying to leave a bar or trying to get to a bar or trying to come (laughs) home from a place and not deal with TSA, I get that I'll never be able to have that, but just please give me a flying car, just a a hovercraft that I can afford that is electric, that doesn't spew shit in the air. It could drive me itself, whatever. I don't need virtual banking, virtual pets, like we already had what that what was that Neopet whatever it was when we were like we've already had these things the Tamagotchi was enough for me and I yeah. realize we sound like crotchety thirty year old white men which we are but like <laughs> I, I cannot I cannot for the life of me go into a metaverse and like interact with a virtual bank teller like it's just I don't want anything that Mark Zuckerberg has created ever in my life and. I'm stuck on fucking Instagram. (laughs) I know. Yeah, this shit has been tried before, like kind of not to this level, but like The Sims, Second Life, like that kind of thing. Like they're kind of that. And and 
they had some niche audiences and some popularity, but I, I just hope it goes that way. Like where those things just petered out, like this does too. Like, I just hope that like, this is just a one step too far with our digital lives for the human brain. And we just don't fucking do it because we're already web 2.0 is enough. Whatever we have right now is fucking enough. It's we're, more than we are planning insurrections on the internet. We do not need an insurrection oh. in the metaverse. Like we oh. do not like, like I don't want to know where this shit goes. You know what I'm saying? I'm just tired. <laughs> and do we really want the company that helped further genocide in Myanmar to design our digital world that we're all going to live in? <laughs> Fuck off. Every day we stray further from the light. Yeah. And that just is deeply true. into darkness. And stories like this just make me want to go back to church and like that, like I, you know what? Create a metaverse for heaven or church, and maybe I would consider going. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I agree. Pack it up to um, that cyborg of a human. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Fuck those other two. Am I right? This, again, <laughs> this is, again, where we see if they have made it this far in the episode, and if they actually listen. They never do. Um, I don't listen either anymore, and... Andrew, I'm sure you only listen because you have to edit it. So <laughs> well, I'm the number you, one listener. Number one. Yes, you are <laughs> most loyal. Well, thank you all so much for joining. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you did, um, please feel free to let us know. And if you didn't, tell us what we can do better. Thanks so much for listening to Let's Unpack That. We will see you next week. Yeah.